0: But can I tell you something, family? There is no JV Christian. There is no such thing as a JV Christian. The way God chooses his people is very different than the way the world looks at it. What we've been brought up to think and feel in our elementary school all the way through high school and our jobs and all the things I just explained, that's not how God works. He has a plan for you. He loves you. Matter of fact, he loved you so much that he sent his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have life that is everlasting. That's how important you are to him. There are no JV Christians. Each of you play an important part when it comes to the kingdom of God. You don't have to take my word for it. Let's look in Matthew chapter 4. Let's see how Christ chooses his people, his disciples. Matthew 4, we're going to start in verse 12 here. Matthew 4, starting in verse 12. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew. Sorry, excuse me. He withdrew into Galilee and leaving Nazareth, came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was uh, spoken through the Isaiah the prophet, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way, of the sea beyond the Jordan Galilee of Gentiles. The people who were sitting in the darkness sat. Uh, saw a great light, and those who were sitting in the land in the shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now as Jesus was walking from Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left their boat and their father and followed him. When we look at the, the context here of this passage, we see um, a Jesus... Uh, and John both ministering in Israel near the River Jordan. And John called uh, Israel to repentance, and he baptized those who would submit themselves to this call. And just up to to this point in in chapter 4, what we see in Matthew is Jesus' ministry is relatively quiet, and he's just getting started. Jesus moves his ministry from Galilee, and he begins to choose his team. He begins to go and look out and see, who do I want to join me in this endeavor? What's interesting, unlike what we just talked about, unlike what we see in sports, that in sports they go after the hottest free agents that there are, that the people who have, who a lot of people are talking about them, they, they had tremendous time when they were in school, high school, and college. These big prospects when we go and cho- choose these people for professional teams. They go after the best coaches and such. But Jesus, he does the opposite. It's interesting here that Jesus goes after the the lowly. Jesus goes after the the outsiders, the the people here living in the shadow of death. These are not some high prospects with, with all the tools, all the education, all the skills. He goes after the lonely, look in, in verse 17, from the time Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's like the, the, we are starting to get to work and we need to put together a team. But what's interesting about this, the first point that I have for you this morning is Jesus does not choose the best. He chooses the willing. Jesus does not choose the best. He chooses the willing. He could have gone out and, and sought after the, the best and greatest rabbis there were in the world, the people that were, were uh, 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 taking over and, and leaders of these particular areas. He could have gone and done that. But no, he went and chose the people that were willing. It seems like this, this first encounter that Jesus has with this men. But how, uh, what, we, what we find out through the text is when we consider John and the other disciples and the other gospels, we find that Jesus had known many of these men. He knew the disciples for a while before he called to follow me. He was kind of going through city to city and kind of peeping what they were doing. I'm like, hey, look, look at them over there. They're, they're just going about doing their job. They're, they're committed to what they're doing. They're working with their father and everything, taking care of them. That's interesting. Wow, they're, they're not trying to, to be you know, high in authority or whatever is going on. Jesus interacted with them and their family and observed their ministry situations. They, they had seen Jesus in the midst of his ministry. So the decision to follow him, it wasn't abrupt. It wasn't uh, out of haste. They just walk up until all of a sudden, like, just follow me. And I'm like, who are you again? I mean, do we know each other? They had already become acquainted to some extent and this makes their decision that much more important. They, they left both their career and their families to follow Jesus because even though they knew of him, I mean, but he ain't, He didn't have anything. It's not like he was this, this big team coach or he had a lot of money and going on and had this big business plan that he was telling them about or that they heard about beforehand. They had so much confidence in the person and work of Jesus that uh, verse twenty says they left immediately. I don't know if they had to think about it for a few minutes or whatever. Well, let me go and you know talk to my wife or drop right then they drop the nets and like let's go. Wherever you go, I go. I'm with you. That's how committed they were to Jesus. Can you imagine this? Can, imagine somebody you you working on your job and Jesus comes up to you and it's like hey. Um, put that down. Come, come and follow me. I would like to say that I would immediately drop everything to follow him as well. I mean, what would you do? Let me talk to my manager first. I don't, my break is not till. Right? These men dropped everything that they had and go and to follow him. This He didn't choose these these warriors to go out to battle. He didn't choose the Religious elite, he went and chose just fishermen. We like to say, well, I'm not that important. I don't, I don't have that many skills. I, you know, I'm just a fill-in-the-blank. I'm just a stay-at-home parent. I'm, I'm just a barista, barista at Starbucks. I'm, I'm just a secretary. I, I'm just a, but he went and chose fishermen. They were not first-string players. They they weren't the sought-after people again. I'm hesitant to even say they were the B team. I mean, they might have been C or D team, to be honest, especially as we see the exploits as they continue to to come through. They weren't the best of the best, but that's not what, what Jesus was after. He was after those people who were willing. John MacArthur puts it this way. He says, God skipped... All the wise of that day, the great scholars were in Egypt, the great library was in Alexandria, the great philosophers were in Athens, the powerful were in Rome. He passed over Herodias and the historians and Socrates and the great thinker Julius Caesar. He chose men so ordinary that it was comical. (laughs) No rabbis, no teachers, no religious experts. Jesus chose these misfit this ragtag group of individuals because his work uh, in the world wouldn't come from their abilities. He knew that. It wouldn't come from their abilities, but it would come from what he was going to do through them. Because if he chose the best of the best, he was like, oh, well, obviously, I mean, these, these guys are just doing all this stuff because they're that good. They're amazing. They're charismatic. You put them on a stage and they can talk and have conversations. People want to come and drove just to hear them speak. Of course, Jesus' ministry is booming because he chose the best guys out there. No. Matter of fact, when these people stood up to talk, they were like, who do these people think they are? These fishermen come and have these conversations with us like they got some kind of authority. That's what's Amazing. Jesus doesn't wait for the potential disciples to choose him. Jesus calls his disciples to be with him at times, and he wanted him, them to witness everything that he was doing. He was taking them under his wing. He said, let me, let me teach you what we're about to do. Let me show you how we're going to conduct ourselves and what we're going to do. Look with me at verse 18. Because now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net in the sea. For they were fishermen, and he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. The Next point here, point two I want to show you here this morning is that Christ chooses us, and we don't choose him. Christ chooses us, it's not that we choose him. This master and disciple relationship that we see here at at this time, the way it actually worked, was very different than, than the way Jesus actually played this out. Typically, the disciple would go and choose their rabbi. They would go say, these are the things I want to learn there's the person I want to model myself after, and I'm going to go uh, apply to work with him. I'm going to go in and, and, and pour out and, and hope that I could be able to sit at his feet and learn from this particular rabbi. But that's not how we, we see things happening. if that, that rabbi thought that they were insere, sincere and that he thought that they were worthy, then he would allow them to be his disciple. So the, the, you would go and petition, but you might not get accepted. Right again, we're back in that place. Like, pick me, choose me, please. The goal of the disciple would be to commit themselves to the law and move from one master to another in order to gain knowledge about the law, as much knowledge as they could. Like, I'm going to learn this piece from this person, and I'm going to go and learn this piece from this person. We see this in the business world all the time. And when you go to different people to get different, because we all have gaps. And so we want to go and fill as much as possible. But we see time and time again in the life of Jesus, how he breaks the mold and he doesn't wait for the volunteers. He goes and selects his own disciples and challenges them to follow him. In the original language, follow me is literally translated as come behind me. You, know, you follow behind a person and you see everything that they're doing. This is, this is a, the step of a great leader. Or a great leader leads from the front, not one who, who stands in the back and tells you what to do or where to go. And they can't do what they, they're asking you to do. No, a, a good leader leads from the front, gets their hands dirty, and to show you how it, it is. They don't ask you to do anything that they're not willing to do. We see this modeled by Jesus himself perfectly. He isn't calling them and he isn't calling us by extension to only be apprentices gathering information about the torah and rehearse religious traditions. He's not telling you just to remember these 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 mindful things and get more head knowledge. What he's trying to teach us is important about how we live our lives and how we are to follow him. He calls his disciples to fish for people, which is strange. But if anybody would understand this, it'd be the fishermen, right? The going fish for people, Matthew 13 and 47 says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but they threw out the bad. Another analogy that we see that Jesus is using is that of farming and harvesting, Matthew 9 and 36. says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Brothers and sisters, some of you might be struggling with things in your life here today. Whether it's your marriage, your career, parenting, or anything else, but I want you to remember this. If you are a disciple of Christ, he chose you. There's no reason for you to be down on yourself or for you to give up. You weren't chose last. God chose you to do his will. And it's nothing like we saw in school. It's nothing like uh, you're being picked last. Like in John chapter 15 and 16, it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that the fruit should, your fruit should abide, so that, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he give it to you. God chose you. Third point I have for you today is our primary calling is to be with Him. Primary calling is to be with Christ. Remember, Jesus says, follow me. It would have been interesting if he go. He just came, like I said. A bad leader would come and say, "Hey, come and do those things. Go, go do that stuff." Without showing you, how, not, no training. There's nothing. Just go. You know, he says, "Come and follow me." Most of you are aware that I have, in this season, I have two vocations. Um, I'm happy and 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 love. Uh, being here as, as an under-shepherd to Christ and as a pastor here at First Baptist Brook, but also I have another full-time job in cybersecurity where I manage seven states. Um, I won't go on and on about that, but it's a, a huge responsibility there. And so managing various people across these various states, you know, I, I've got to bring people on. I've been hi- interviewing and hiring people. I've got to go train them spend some time with them and show them, you know, how the business works and how we interact with clients and things of nature. But I don't know everything, and sometimes I have to send them away for training. So when they come back, but still, I'm going to have them follow me and understand that you're going to shadow me where I I demonstrate how you do these things, and then I'm going to let you do it on your own, and I'm going to look after you. I'm going to look over your shoulder to ensure that you're putting the things into practice that that I already taught you. And then I'm going to step back further and further the more they learn so they finally can be able to do it on their own without any hand-holding. Jesus, when he calls his disciples, he says, follow me in the same way. To be a disciple, Jesus is the only teacher that we need. Instead of being like me, where I got to send people off to uh, other places to to get the knowledge that I don't have, Jesus, he's the one-stop shop. He's the one that can take people and, and be able to train them in everything that they need. And he just says to follow me. In order to do our jobs as disciples, we want to become like him. And to be like him, we have to first know him. And to know him, we must know his word. Here at First Baptist Bolingbroke, we have various outlets for this. You know, in addition to our weekly gathering, we have some community groups that, that meet together to, to study with one another. We've got prayer groups that, that meet. Um, we go out and do things together like we did this this week with apple picking and things of that nature. We have various opportunities where you can come and learn what it means and what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ. But it all starts with him and his word, not to mention our daily reading plan, right, that we're going through the Bible in a year together so that we can read. Like, in order to follow him, we've got to know him. And the way we know him is through his word. So we need to spend that time with him in order to become a disciple. So if you're serious about being his disciples, you've got to take advantage of these things. The one hour that we spend here on Sunday mornings, it's not enough not sufficient. It doesn't check a box. Just so you know, you're aware. We need to get inside his word until it dominates everything that we do, that it drives our thought process, it drives our decisions, it dominates everything that we have in our lives, everything in, in our behavior, until, you know, people who spend a lot of time in the word, they start talking like the, the Bible. Have you seen these people? We've got some people like that in here that you know how much they spend with the Lord because they start to sound like him. That's where, that's where our aim is. That's where we're trying to go. My next point, the point number four, is that in order to follow him, we have to leave everything. We have to leave it all. Verse 20 says, they immediately left their nets and followed him. So to follow Jesus, He has to take precedent over everything else in our lives. So it must be God above all. It's got to be Christ above all. It's got to be the gospel above all. That's the, the primary thing that matters in our lives if we are a Christ follower, if we're a Christian, if we're a disciple. Don't say you're a Christian and you put anything else above him. Well, I... You know, I, I, I got to get up early and I got to get to work and I, I don't have time to read the Bible. So your, your job is above spending time with Christ. That's what you're saying. Well, I don't really have time to pray. I'm just so busy going from place to... Oh, so you running your errands is, is above Christ and praying. That's, that's what you're saying? Oh, I got to get the kids to soccer. I mean, if they're late, they won't be able to... So, so what you're saying to me, what you're saying to yourself is that your kid's soccer is more important than your, your walk with Christ. Now, most of you won't literally lose your father and mother over Jesus, but some, some might. If, if, we, if we look at Muslims in this country and, and elsewhere, uh, for them, when they hear the gospel and if they choose to submit their lives to Christ and to leave Islam, they're going to be cut off from their families that's the price that they pay to, to follow Jesus. That they literally will lose everything to follow the truth. That's what they will give up. They're gonna be cast out from everything that they know and new prior. And that's that's truly a cost for them that they suffer for Christ. God may change your career. He might have you to leave your job and take the gospel overseas as a missionary. But for many of you, it won't be that dramatic. It might just mean getting up 15 minutes earlier so you can read his his scripture. It might mean taking five more minutes to pray. I mean, the cost is not that significant, by and large, for us here in the U.S., especially here in Bolingbrook. But you'll have, to, you'll have moments where you decide which holds a greater, greater sway in your life. You'll have to make a decision. Is this my, you know, 15 minutes more sleep more important? I know that can be a tough question to answer sometimes, but I tell you it is. It's, it's more important that we, we lose that amount of sleep in order to spend time with our Savior. Point five here is that he commands us to spiritually reproduce. We are to be disciples who make disciples. When we follow Jesus, it's it's our goal to become like Jesus. Just as uh, he was a fisher of men, his followers would become fisher of men. And this is what it means to be disciples. And this is a, a central part to what our walk looks like. It's not something that only a few of us do. Like, well, I don't really feel called to be a disciple. It's not how it works. It doesn't matter how you feel. You are called. You are commanded to be a disciple. But not only be a disciple, you're commanded to be a disciple who makes disciples. So if you're here and you're the same as you were last year at this time, sitting in the same seat in the pew, we've got to ask some questions. Your life ought to be changed. Your life ought to be transformed in a way that it, it changes and transforms the people that are around you. We are to be disciples who make disciples. There is no such thing as a non reproducing Christian. No such thing as a non reproducing Christian. Look at what Jesus says in the Gospel of John. He says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and you prove to be my disciples. How do you prove to be his disciples? It's by bearing fruit. And if you're not bearing fruit, you have to, ask, uh, you have, to have a reason to, to question whether you are a disciple at all. If, if I'm the same, if I'm not growing into my, in, in my spiritual walk with Christ, what am I doing? How can I change that? Who can I, I bring into my life to help encourage me so that I can be more like him? Matthew 28 and 19 is where we get this from. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say, go therefore and sit in the pew on Sunday mornings. He didn't say, go therefore and, and give a little bit of money so that the, the church can do whatever with it. He go therefore and and make disciples, not just of Bolingbrook, not just of Illinois, not even just of the United States. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is the the crux here. Teaching them all to, to observe all that I have commanded you. So everything that you've learned, as to be a disciple, you go and make other disciples and you teach them all the stuff that you learned. That he told his disciples, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You are important. You are not a JV Christian. So much so that even the master is with you, not just now. Not just for a few minutes. Not just till you get your stuff together. Always. So I took this training this week and, um, you know, as I was watching the training, it was a virtual training on Zoom and he's going through and I try to be a good student. I try to learn really well. I want to spend my time wisely in everything that I do. And so I, I, the guy that was training, I, I bought his book and I started reading it. I'm like, well, I want to know what this guy's about. I want to be prepared for what he's going to be training. And so each, each night of the training, I'm reading the book so I can be prepared for what it is that's gonna be taught. And so each day, as I logged on, I started to notice something. This guy, what he was talking about was right out of the book. Like almost word for word, the same anecdotes, the same stories. And I'm like, why am I, what are you doing? Like, (laughs) it's all here in the book. Why am I spending my time three hours a day on Zoom for you to regurgitate to me what's in this book. I, I, I've been reading all my life. Matter My parents read to me when I was in the womb. When I was a baby, my parents read. I was reading chapter books that are really young. I can read. This guy here, he, he's, his training was everything. was a book. But that's not the, the, the crux of it. Listen, listen to this part. So at the end of the training, he's like... Any of, any of you want to go a little bit deeper? Now, people in the class, they're like, oh, this is the great training. It's been impactful for me. It's just been phenomenal training. I'm like, I don't know what you guys are doing. But at the end of the training, it's like, hey, for any of you who want to go deeper, I got this other advanced training that I want to give to you for $2,000. Now, like I said, I'm reading a book and he only got up to chapter five. There's six more chapters. So I'm like, is this advanced training like the other half of the book? For $2,000, bro? He's like, well, and, and I know, he says, I know some of you are overachievers and you want to be certified in what I'm teaching you this week. If you want to be certified, just go and sign up here for $10,000. People were like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to be certified. I'm like, bro, you just got to get the book. As a matter of fact, give me $5,000, and I'll read the book to you. <laughs> it's interesting that the people, I mean, I, I, this book is not only available to me. This book has been out for years. And he's been teaching on this stuff for years, Where people continuously pay him $2,000, $10,000 for stuff that's in the book. But they're not really committed. These people, they're out here, they're not really committed to, to taking in and trying to really learn on their own and, and to, to, to get right to the, to the, 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 the crux of it, to, to learn exactly what it is. I mean, this, this little... Insignificant training that I took is nothing, but I'll tell you what, people are not committed to this book either. God, the one who spoke in the universe, leapt into existence, he he wants us to know him and he gave us this book so that we can. You you don't have to go and pay and you don't got to come in and sow a seed and all that kind of stuff to get closer to know Jesus. It's all in the book. And what we do here is just we open up his scripture and hear him speak to us through his words. This is God's word, and this is how the mode he uses to speak to us to be closer to us. And you, you, if you call yourself a Christian and you're not committed to spending the 15 minutes a day that it takes to read cover to cover in this book, I, you know, you got to question Are you really a Christ follower? Are you really a disciple? He called us to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're teaching people to observe all that he's commanded to us, but how are you going to do that if you don't know him? It's all here. It's all in the book. And it's amazing that the, the, the God of the universe would reveal himself to us in such a way that we would get to experience him like this. Brothers and sisters, God's kingdom still needs dedicated workers. I don't know how you came in here today. I don't know if you're beating yourself up over where you are in this stage of life or what you have to do or what you can't get to and all that kind of stuff. Don't, don't beat yourself up. God has uniquely made you to do everything that he, he, he needs and wants you to do. You don't need to have to put this extra uh, pressure on yourself and carry this burden alone. That we have Christ there to help us with those burdens, and most of those times he's carrying it himself for you. Give it over to him. And you don't need to beat yourself up or where, where you are in this life because there's no such thing as a JV Christian. Jesus didn't pick everybody else. He didn't go and pick all the superstars. And then it came, well, I get Angela's there. I guess I'll pick Angela. Robin's there. I mean, I guess, yeah, come on. Come on, Robin, I guess. No, that's not how, that's not how it works. He chose you before you were a glimmer in anybody's eye. From the foundation of the world, he chose you knowing what you would and wouldn't do, but he chose you anyway. He sent his son anyway to pay the price that you couldn't, that you wouldn't, so that you can have life with him. Won't you choose him today? Knowing that you have an important place in the kingdom. Just follow him. Choose him. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for helping us to know and realize that you have chosen us. That if it were up to us, that we would choose our own way. But Father, we, we thank you just for drawing us to you and using us as imperfect as we are uh, when we don't have the right words to say, we don't choose the right things to do all the time, but you still continue to come after us. You continue to shape us and mold us into your image. You continue to use us so that we can bring you glory much. Um, continue to, to remind us of this and in, in every, everything that we do in our days and our nights, that we focus all of our attention on you and we do everything so that you would get the glory that you rightly deserve. Father, we thank you for all these in Jesus' name. Amen.